welcome to today on broadway for tuesday november 6th i think that's correct 2018 i'm broadway world's matt tamanini and i am broadway stars james marino james bonjour uh, uh thank you is that uh is that a- <laughs> I, I i i i was the terrible american who uh, uh you know either butchered the the french language or just forgot to speak it uh you know try, even attempted to try it i i hear that they appreciate if you attempt the french even if it's very bad and and it seems as though that nearly everyone that i ran into actually spoke english you know all the well, service employees so it's really nice it was a wonderful wonderful trip Good, I'm I was glad very to hear. lucky. Thank you so much for taking on all the responsibilities. Yeah. In fact, this week on Broadway, I, I, I rather prefer that you do it than me. So uh, <laughs> clear out your Sunday mornings. You yeah, know. we'll talk about that. Okay. <laughs> call my agent. Have your people call my people. And um, it, we're recording on Tuesday morning, November 6th. Uh, it is Election Day. We're recording at 7.05 a.m. I grabbed my coffee and went and voted this morning, and I Did hope that everybody who is uh, able to vote in the United States uh, midterm elections, I hope you get out there and vote today. Uh, really, if if you don't, then stop listening to this podcast, because <laughs> I don't want you to... If you don't participate and you're able to, there's a lot of people who are not able to, which is a whole other topic. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hopefully by the time we record uh, Wednesday's episode, we'll have lots of good news to discuss. Otherwise, I might just go jump in whatever body of water it is a couple blocks away from my hotel. All right. So uh, let's get down to D.C. and good news and find out what did the critics say about Beetlejuice's D.C. tryout? Not not good news, James. Really? Not good news? Oh, I've been like, so out of the loop. Uh, how you Americans say? Yeah, it's uh, really bad news. Really? Um, wow. As, as we've discussed before, the new Broadway-bound musical adaptation of the film Beetlejuice had its – or is currently having its out-of-town tried at the National Theater in Washington, D.C., directed by Alex Timbers. The show features an original score by Eddie Perfect. Also uh, responsible for some of the music in King Kong, which I saw last night, which probably explains why the reviews aren't very good. Um, The book is by Scott Brown uh, and Anthony King. And the show stars Alex Brightman. That's Brightman, B-R-I-G-H-T-M-A-N, which we'll get back to here in a little bit. Um, Sophia Ann Caruso, Leslie Kritzer, um, uh, Rob McClure, and Carrie Butler, as well as many, many other folks that we love and adore, and I feel so bad about these reviews. Um, We're going to talk about two of them here. First up, Peter Marks from the Washington Post said, quote, maybe the most haunting thing about Beetlejuice is the creepy feeling of inspiration run amok. Why, you wonder, has a film with such witty visual virtuosity been re-engineered for such a crass and frantic crossover to the stage? Well, part of the answer is structural. In greatly expanding the spotlight of the title character, um, there is a larger narrative vacuum to be filled with a certain aspect of the story. That would be Beetlejuice's sophomoric bathroom humor and phallic jokes. Marx continues, quote, Perfect, the composer's predictably peppy pop score contains a couple of serviceable power ballads for Caruso and a few curveballs. A boy band parody number in the netherworld feels about as 2018 as an episode of Friends. The spontaneous applause moments are predictable, too, as they tend to simply quote the film. So not great there, James. You can read more from Peter uh, in, in the show notes 
that's probably some of the nicer things that he says. Paul Harris from Variety says, quote, its tryout run at DC's National Theater before a scheduled March booking on Broadway is a frenetically paced and woefully undercooked endeavor that's excessive in virtually every respect. With an engaging voice and spirited presence, Caruso lights up her scenes and nails her musical assignments. Brighton. B-R-I-G-H-T-O-N, which I assume is supposed to be Brightman. That obviously doesn't help Mr. Harris's credence here, but whatever. Nonetheless, Brighton, by contrast, wears out his welcome almost instantly with his incessant incessant crudeness, tiresome antics, and annoying voice. How dare you? Um, This stage version of the character could be reined in for everyone's benefit. Songwriter Perfect Score is another trouble spot. There are few melodies of distinction like King Kong, and at times it musicalizes scenes that arguably could be more effectively conveyed in dialogue. So, James, I think you and I both had super high hopes for this one, and, man, critics' reviews don't necessarily have anything to do with how the show will perform for an audience or whether audiences will like it or not or whether they will buy tickets for it, but this is a rather auspicious start for the show down in the nation's capital. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Uh, <clears throat> you know, our, our listener, uh, and friend Deb Schrager, uh, has, I just went back and looked to see if she had seen it and sent us a quick review. Uh, she had sent us a pretty good review a couple of days ago, but it was a, uh, play at Steppenwolf. Seems like she headed out to Chicago to see, uh, Downstate. I think it was, uh, D- Downstate at Steppenwolf Wolf in Chicago, which she gave a great review for. Uh, but Deb, if you have seen Beetlejuice or expect to see it or anybody else, uh, any, anybody else listening, send us your thoughts on, uh, Beetlejuice and, uh, if you agree or if it could be fixed or, or they need to go back to the drawing board. This is such a, a great group of people and such a fun underlying property. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I, I hope that they uh, can get it right. But this is why she'll go out of town, you know, yeah. to test it out and see what they have and uh, get it right. Yeah, there's not a, not a ton of time before it comes uh, into the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway, just about four-month turnaround time. So we'll, we'll see what they're able to do in that period to try to correct some of the issues if they haven't already been working on them. All right. Uh, next up in the news, we have some uh, film casting reported last night for In the Heights. Yeah, so at intermission of King Kong last night, James, I turned on my phone and I saw an email that said uh, – it was an article from Broadway World that said Pacencia Fey. Uh, they have cast Oscar winner Rita Moreno as Abuela Claudia in the new In the Heights film adaptation. By the time I got home, I had another email from an article from Broadway World that said, hold up. Oscar winner Rita Moreno, Romero, Rita Moreno sorry, will not join the In the Heights film. What's interesting, both of these articles came from reports from The Hollywood Reporter. Originally, the venerable trade publication did report that Rita Moreno would be joining the cast. And then later they had to retract that report as the exclusive report that they had earlier had come from a report that the an offer had initially been made to Moreno. But apparently that it had either been pulled or or lapsed and she hadn't accepted the role. Moreno's agents and representatives told The Hollywood Reporter that she was not currently in discussion 
to take a part in the film. I think a lot of people had assumed that Moreno uh, or someone of her stature would end up playing Abuela Claudia um, in the show. The role originated by Olga Moretta's on stage. But apparently, at least as of now, Rita Moreno will not be in the film. So if you see conflicting uh, tweets out there because Twitter decides that chronology is not super important, Mm. uh, that will explain why you see things that say she is in the movie and then things that say she is not in the movie. This is why you need to have Broadway World alerts on your phone so that you can be up to the date with, uh, with yeah, the, 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 the most current information. Mm-hmm. You know? what, any uh, scuttlebutt on the message board about this? Um, not that I've seen so far. I, I got back from uh, from the show pretty late last night, so I haven't checked a ton of stuff yet. But, you know, it's The Hollywood Reporter, so it's not like it yeah. was some mm-hmm. random, you know, random outlet just making things up. I would imagine that they thought that they had the correct information, but uh, apparently, apparently things change. Okay. Um, last week's Broadway grosses. Tell us about what the money figures were. All right, James. Last week, things remained steady, at least on that overall top line, dropping just 0.17% overall. But that was aided by the addition of two new shows to the boards, The Share Show and To Kill a Mockingbird, not to mention an added performance by The Boss, which always helps as well. Overall, Broadway came in at $33,078,712 with only nine shows seeing week-to-week improvements. Now, some of those declines are explainable and understandable when you consider the fact that Halloween fell on a two-show day. That likely had an impact on folks, especially um, tri-state area folks wanting to come in and see either the matinee or the evening show on Wednesday. Also to consider, Frozen dipped more more than a quarter of a million dollars in a week that included a TDF autism-friendly performance. So that very well probably impacted Frozen quite a bit. I don't know how they sell those tickets or what their their prices are, but I would imagine that that figured in as well. And as we discussed last week, Hamilton dropped over uh, 120K in a week that included that $10 Halloween show. So while in totality, it looks like it was probably a fairly rough week between the holiday and the two of the heaviest hitters on Broadway having unusual schedules, it's probably not as bad as it looks. Um, so while there's a lot of red numbers on the grocery sheet this week, I don't think it's a, a, any cause for super alarm. Now, those two new shows actually helped quite a bit as Cher in just three performances grossed $495,489 and To Kill a Mockingbird also in three performances Brought in 520357 Now, James, it's too early for me to do that math, but that's pretty good starts for both of them. That would be grossing well over a million dollars for each of them. Obviously, just the first three performances for properties that have diehard and devoted fans. Uh, like you. Like me. I mean, I'm not a de- devoted fan of To Kill a Mockingbird. Celia Keenan Bolger, on the other hand, yeah, I meant share. Uh, you, you oh, went to yeah, the no. share, yeah. <laughs> no, I did not. I have not gone to share. I'm not going to share this time. But they, I, I think that these are pretty encouraging starts for both of them. Now, despite back-to-back weeks of an Edgeham and then Halloween performance for Hamilton, it was still number one. But it was probably closer than it has been in a really long time. 
as with $2,824,675, it was less than 400000 above Springsteen on Broadway, which is still a considerable gap. But when you're considering that it's usually more than a million dollars between number one and number two on the grosses charts, that's something to, uh, to, to raise an eyebrow about. Also above $2 million was The Lion King and Harry Potter. Joining them north of seven figures was Wicked in its 17th anniversary week, so that probably helped. Helped. Jervin Hansen, Frozen Despite the Dip, Aladdin, Mean Girls, The Book of Mormon, Pretty Woman, and Come From Away. The Ferryman, Broadway's highest grossing play last week, ticked up a bit at almost uh, $920,000 and was followed fairly closely by the lifespan of a fact at 884 k King Kong canceled its Wednesday matinee, as we discussed before, and it saw a $99,000 decline to come in at $675,000. And speaking of shows and previews, The Prom grossed only $316,000, which is pretty rough for a seven-performance week, but word of mouth has been very good, so hopefully that can continue to increase its, uh, its bottom line, especially when considering that it was still roughly double head over heels which came in at just $186,000, I suppose things could be much, much worse. And then turning our attentions over to Circle in the Square, once on this island, better hope that Michelle Williams can work some magic or it's not going to be a survivor for long, as it had its worst week of its entire Broadway run, coming in at just $359,000, and that includes preview performances, James. Um, I, I, I'm more and more of the inclination that Head Over Heels is going to have to vacate the the Hudson following the holidays. And I would imagine that announcement has to come at some point soon. And then once on this island, James, I, everything Ken Davenport is doing seems to be aiming towards him wanting to hope that something picks up during the holidays and in the spring. I don't know how that's going to happen, but that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, that's uh, pulling out all the stops to try to get people in there. But it's really tough because uh, – in any other uh, – every season is very different. Uh, there is no formula of how to make a Broadway show work because you're it, – it's, it's about the trade-off of who you're competing against and who you are up against uh, for those theater ticket buyers that are coming into town to see one, maybe two shows, unlike you who comes in to, for 10 or 15 shows at a, sh- at a clip yeah. um, and have spreadsheets. Uh, that's multiple, a scary, multiple, scary spreadsheet. Multiple spreadsheets, yeah. yeah. So spreadsheets with A, B, and C options and things like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, you know, Once on This Island is a, a really good property, and it's got, uh, you know, celebrities in it, and it's got good, great reviews, and it's got a cast recording, you know. Tony some, Award. Tony Award. And what do you do to make that run it it it's uh the magic of broadway and sometimes you just can't capture that magic um head over heels as you mentioned it's brutal the numbers there they have um they have uh, a original cast album uh, event at the drama bookshop on monday november 12th so uh if you'd like to go out and uh Meet, meet with those folks and say hello to them and uh, pick up a cast album and a signing and things like that. That's on mo- Monday, November 12th. So just something else to support Head Over Heels and some of the people there. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, what other news do you have? Okay, so first up, Waitress is shaking things up at the diner a little bit as Academy Award nominee June Squibb will be joining the company as Josie, a role that never really exists before because it was formerly known 
as Joe from November 19th through June 6th. Obviously, this will be the first time that the role will be played by a woman. Also, Nicolette Robinson has extended her stay as Jenna until December 9th. Now, James, I I love June Squibb. She's phenomenal. So I'm very glad that she's coming back to Broadway. But I can't imagine that the Weislers really expect her to sell tickets other than maybe a few folks who are curious about a woman in the role. So I'm looking at this from two distinct perspectives. The uncynical one is just that the creative team likes June Squibb and they think it could be, you know, kind of bring an interesting dynamic to make the that, that role of old, old Joe a woman. Great. If you want to do that, that's awesome. Now, the cynical side of me, and one that I actually don't have a problem with at all, just even if I think it's cynical, is that maybe they wanted to try to have the role played by a woman on Broadway to see if they could come up with either slightly altered script variations or something that could be used for future licensing where maybe amateur or regional productions would be better served by having the role played by a woman. What do, what do you think here? Is either one, both of them possible here? Uh, Joe is the Al Roker currently role. <laughs> yes, Al Roker originally played uh, by Andy Griffith in the film, actually. Uh, okay, so um, uh, do you think that in any other world, <laughs> June Squibb and Al Roker would be interchangeable with uh, I, <laughs> replacement casting? I mean, I, mean, I, appreci- Goldberg, I appreciate w- it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whoopi Goldberg did replace Nathan Lane, and a funny yeah. thing happened on the way to the funny, forum. That's so. Right. I mean, not that I'm equating June Squibb and Al Roker, but uh, it's the Weislers. So, you know, but I really I mean, this isn't the traditional Weisler throw something against the wall stunt casting. This seems to be, at least to me, a little bit more substantive, whether it's just because they like Squibb or for licensing rather than saying, hey, we're going to put random housewife of Orange County in Chicago. No, yeah, absolutely. I I could totally understand that. And uh that's a, you know, if, either for the national tour or for licensing that that makes sense to put that in there to give an option to see how it how it flies and as far as I can remember the show, it it's really it it should be fine either way. Uh yeah, they'll they'll need to change some dialogue and lyrics a little bit, but I those would be small minor yeah. adjustments I'd imagine. Yeah, you know, um, the Weislers make, you know, what if the Weislers had produced Once on this Island? What what would we see oh, there? <laughs> we'd have interchangeable guides. Those things would be like revolving doors there. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, and, uh, well, you're going to talk about uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes. But um, d- doesn't Al Roker usually host the parade for NBC? Or do any uh, word on if he's going to be doing that, if he'll be out some performances or okay, from Waitress? Let me, let me pull up that release here. Um, it, Al Roker is not mentioned in the press release that we got about the parade, but this isn't really specific yeah. about NBC's broadcast. It's more sure. about the parade itself. So um, I'm not I'm not sure. I haven't heard about that. That's a good point there. You're right. All right. Uh, All right. So what else? Uh, continuing continuing on with the other news. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, yesterday it was announced that Mean Girls, My Fair Lady, The Prom, and Summer, colon, the Donna Summer Musical will perform on Herald Square this year, while CBS announced that Dear Evan Hansen and King Kong will be performing. Now that is likely, as they often do on CBS, from their actual theaters in taped 
performances that are aired uh, at different times during the parade. Other shows could be added uh, to either of those uh, broadcasts. The Macy's Parade is broadcast on NBC and CBS. CBS supplements with those additional performances, and we could see additional shows added at either point. Um, and then finally, yesterday, the New York Theater Workshop announced that they will transfer Heidi Schreck's What the Constitution Means to Me to the Greenwich House Theater at the end of this month and extend its run to the end of the year. This show was originally scheduled to end its uh, off broadway performance on October 21st. It is now weeks past October 21st. <laughs> it's been extended and it will um, uh, it'll play its final, final performance at New York Theater Workshop on Sunday. Or no, I'm sorry, it already did this past Sunday. It'll take a three-week hiatus for the transfer and then we'll begin in performances again on November 27th and will run through December 3rd. Obviously, James, what happens today in the election will have um, a, a probably different um, spin on how that show feels when it begins performances again uh, after Thanksgiving. Um, but hopefully it'll be something a little bit more celebratory than it could be if things go the other way. Did you hear that Hillary Clinton was at the uh, What the Constitution Means to Me a couple of days ago? I did not, know. Can you imagine that, how awesome that would be uh, yep. to have <laughs> Hillary, uh, you know, uh, did you, did you see the uh, show? They sort of have no. a Q&A after the show, or maybe it was just the performance I was I was at. After the debate, they had a little Q&A uh, <clears throat> about, the, you know, you get a copy of the Constitution when you walk in. I have it right here in my hand. I'm shaking it at the microphone. Nice. <laughs> uh, they give you a copy of the Constitution, and um, but to have Hillary there would be really interesting. I also I, I saw a photograph of uh, Nathan Lane and uh, Matthew Broderick on a red carpet at some event uh, in the last couple of days, and my goodness, they look like an old couple. They start to look like each other. So, <laughs> oh, oh, Matthew. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bwwmat. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Just a reminder, today is the only day you get to vote until next year. So uh, go out and vote if you can vote. And uh, Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. 